Welcome to Splitting Cases. This is the Pigsty in July edition. We are in Dashville in Lower Belford in the Hunter Valley. And last time I was here was the Gumball Festival and I was, I don't know, I was tromping around in the mud. Fuck you for seeing UMI that night. Oh man, I'm sorry you couldn't make it, but I must say you've seen UMI enough. That's well, no, the... hold on. I take that back. No one's ever seen UMI enough. Yeah. But you have seen UMI a fair amount of times. More than most. That's probably a fair statement. <laughs> but, I mean, we're in a pretty comfortable position at the moment, and it's been a lovely day thus far. Yeah. I think just any day sitting out uh, drinking in the sun with Pointy is a great day. But we've had a whole heap of bands, and the idea of today is that you come, you see bands, and you dress in op shop chic in mismatched but quite fancy clothes. And I don't know. I think we delivered, mostly. I think we delivered really well. I borrowed a day um, jacket from Pointy. He came to pick me up, and uh, I did not have a jacket to work. Hey, consider me professional. Well, I don't know that those shoulder pads are very professional. I mean, hey, maybe... get off it. I was looking at my shadow going, wow, you could uh, you could command this room. I mean, maybe like 80s power ballad type stuff. But, <laughs> but I, it's, I mean, it's good. It's good. Yeah, of course. The vibe of the place is much more fun for everybody being a little bit more formal. I think everybody here that comes dressed up sort of formal is a little bit like, hmm, I'm very fancy. Yeah, like, I guess you, um, I don't know, it makes it a thing for people, right? Like, it's something it does. to get into. Absolutely. But, um, we are going to have a chat to a few different people, and we're going to see a lot of bands. I think the reason, apart from the fact it is local to the Hunter Valley, and it is the same place that runs uh, Gumball, which we love, the reason we're here is a certain Kiwi band. We have featured their frontman, John Toogood, talking about David Bowie before on an episode, and we've done an episode of just general beery rambling about hard on a gig. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that episode was, but we did it. I remember we were both very sick. That's all I can remember. Yeah, and I think the alcohol hit the sickness quite hard. It was a lethal combination, but I actually had a couple of people um, comment on that and go, yeah, heard your episode about Sheehard. Leave it there. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess they could have said worse things. Yeah, and there was the episode we did with John Tugard, as I mentioned before, about David Bowie, almost a mere, like, it must have been a weeks before he died. It was nice and special. And Sheehard are an awesome band. They're touring the Fish album today as well. Yeah, no, that... Um, we were both talking earlier today that that was just such a, a special episode. Like, not just at the time, but also... In retrospect, because we're both such big fans of yeah. Shihad and David Bowie, so it was sort of a nice, a nice thing. We're going to go enjoy the band. It's going to be awesome. You'll hear from a, like a couple of people involved. Happy Pigster. Happy Pigster. Claire Ann Taylor, awesome set. I don't know, like the comparison is a little Janis Joplin-y, but it's not at the same time. It's a beautiful set. Thank you. You're playing today, but you're touring with Will Crichton as well, and you're about to go on a tour. You're playing Newcastle, Maitland area? Yep, we're playing at the Junkie, and we're playing in Sydney. We're playing all down the coast, yeah, and finishing in Tassie. Beautiful. And you got a record out as well? Yep. What's the yeah. record called? It's called Elemental. Elemental. Yeah, and I, I just released it um, in March this year. Excellent. 
Excellent. Yeah. Have you, you've been doing your own tour outside of this one as well? Yeah, I just finished my first album tour and my first tour, so I'm pretty fresh on the scene of Australian music, really. So Your first tour, like, ever? You've ever. only been... Yeah. So where are you from? I'm from Tasmania. I'm from the Tarkine Rainforest. And so this is your first time sort of touring outside of just playing gigs? Yep. So, like... Oh man, that's awesome. I know, it's just... I'm just starting out. I'm just like a little baby chicken in this whole scheme of things. So no, but that's super cool. So it what's is, the yeah. uh, takeaway from the first tour? Uh, the first tour actually, it sounds a bit corny, but just made me realise that I am capable of doing it. Because before I did the tour, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull this off. I don't know if I'm going to crumple in a heap or, you know, it no, is a big thing to take on. And that's not corny at all. That's human nature. Yeah, totally. And I, I, I think we all have a tendency to doubt ourselves before we believe in ourselves. So yeah, and for me course. personally, that happens quite a lot. So just to get through it and go, I, I did it and I, I was able to do it was just yeah. a really wonderful thing. So yeah, well, I, I imagine there's a certain amount of mental fortitude required to get through it too well. Because yeah. you're away from the people that you know and love. Yeah, let it be tough. Well, actually, like, um, it sounds like a really glamorous sort of rock star lifestyle, but the reality is it's really tiring and it's late nights. Like, some gigs are better than others. Like, I had a really wonderful tour and there was amazing support in all the shows, but you still, like, sometimes the sound isn't right. You might have a bad sound guy or you might turn up to a venue and... There aren't as many people at that venue. I don't know. Things can go wrong. Things it's a can... constant unknown quantity as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. So and just to get through it. it's outside of your control in a lot of ways. It's like what's going on in that town that night. Like It's not necessarily representative of whether that town has an audience for you. Just who can turn up that night. Yeah, absolutely. And that is what happened when I played in Maitland last time because they had a couple of huge events on in the town the same night so the junkie was really quiet so it was like and they were like this is really uncharacteristic for the junkie but i was like oh you win some you lose some so but yeah just the mental stamina and the resilience that it requires is is pretty huge oh man it's a full-on thing and i mean like even the traveling in itself takes it out of you but the self-belief and the financial thing, and it's all of it is just yeah. massive undertaking. But I'm so glad that it worked out well, and you've got another tour coming up as well. Yeah, well, on the like off the back of my first tour, three more tours have transpired. So now I'm like, I've got three more tours lined up. So, that is so awesome. Yeah. So just to think that you know, hopefully, off the back of the next three tours, I'll have another. You know, nine tours, it's just going to keep skyrocketing. I, I feel like, I feel like to some extent, it's like exponentially awesome until you hit like a hundred tours and you're like, oh fuck, hold on, I better stop accumulating all this. Flag off. <laughs> right, I'm off tour. That's beautiful. Who are you touring with after Will that you've got coming up? Well, I'm, um, I'm doing a house concert tour mm. through Parlour. And then I'm doing um, a tour with Liz Stringer. So she's oh, wow. she's doing her, um, she just released her new album yesterday. And yeah. so I'm doing the support shows for her tour. And then I'm going to Bali and I'm going to have a week off at my cousin's wedding. Not playing wedding. at all? Hell no. That Actually, that, that's a lie. I am playing. I'm playing at my cousin's wedding. Oh, that's okay. That's different. Yeah, that's way different. That's not like a gig gig. That's totally different. That's just like a joy gig. It's a <laughs> joygasm. That's yeah. what it is.
Yeah. You don't have to stress about that. That's okay. Yeah. But that's lovely. I think oh. I would stress more about that because <laughs> it's like I know some of these people, so that's a bigger deal than just a bunch of strangers. We're sitting by a fire out the back of Pixar and July. <laughs> Like this is kind of this is kind of comfy. Also, you finished playing, so you're like done for the night. I know. I'm I'm getting loose. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's always a good statement. So, all right. You mentioned that the one thing you love is not necessarily a band or a movie. Of course, you do love all that stuff. But what's the, like what's the thing you want to talk about? Treasure hunting. In what way? Okay. So ever since I was very little I've always been a sort of um, a treasure hunter like I guess I get the thrill I get a sheer living a pirate life in a way (laughs) kind of you know I guess we're all treasure hunters to a certain degree but me like more than most when I was little my mum used to drag me from op shop to op shop and at first when I was little I thought this was awful but then I started to develop a love for buttons, so I would go buttons. in. Yeah, and I would go in and I would collect the buttons. Like I remember the little puppy dog buttons and the buttons with roses on them, and yeah. I'd buy like maybe six buttons from this op shop. And then Mum would drag me to the next one, and I'd buy more buttons. But then my love for treasure hunting has like gone into lots of different forms. So like later on, growing up, we used to go collecting field mushrooms in the paddocks where I grew up in Tassie. Yeah. I remember like running out into the wet fields in autumn with a little honey bucket and a butter knife and we'd be like cutting off the mushrooms. Then we'd go home and we'd have a big fry up of mushrooms and butter and garlic on toast. Okay, so I grew up as a city kid, as I imagine Pointy did as well. Like, that sounds romantic as fuck. That sounds amazing. <laughs> like that is. image of like... Oh god, that's like beautiful. an Enid Blyton novel or something. Oh, <laughs> that sounds it's amazing. It's true. It's like the it's the most exciting thing. We're on the school bus, we used to drive along through the fields, like on the way to school, and I'd be getting so excited because I could see little pockets of white. Like, so you look out for the little, like it's like finding gold, except yeah. it's white mushroom gold. Like you see the little white button tops. Yeah. In, in the in the paddocks and you're just like we've got to go back there and raid that paddock and pick all the mushrooms and have a cook up oh my god that's amazing yeah. I have friends that are terrified of buttons what, like, what, what, they what? have what? phobias about buttons from buttons to button mushrooms do they like do they hate mushrooms no no no, like, they go to no no I assume they're okay with mushrooms <laughs> I've never had that specific conversation what about mushroom buttons like no, no. buttons with mushrooms on them I'd Whoa. love to think they hate buttons so much that it's like, fuck anything button-shaped. I think it's like the shininess of buttons or like, the I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's not my compulsion or my thing, so I can't really explain it. But I just know that that's a thing. Some people are scared of buttons. I, don't, I just feel for them. <laughs> that's awesome, man. You want to do them back up and go, buddy, you're falling apart. <laughs> we need to do you back up. Sorry, it's going to need some buttons. It feels like a Wes Anderson movie, you know? Like, you know, just like that romanticism of like you went to op shops and you collected the buttons. That's lovely. Yeah, well, then it's sort of um, like growing up, it actually also went into shell collecting. Like, I guess it sounds like my like life in Tassie is pretty you know, remove. So you entertain yourselves by collecting shells. My sister and I would spend hours at the beach looking for cowrie shells. Have you ever that tried to hunt awesome. for a cowrie shell? Yeah, I have actually. I lived in New Zealand. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a thing. 
Yeah. Over, like at home, it's like Carrie shells that, or we have a price for them even. Mm. Like we we trade them as money. So like oh, yeah. a monkey carry, a tiny little southern rib trivia carry, they are worth like five dollars. An ordinary carry is worth like two dollars, and if you get a chipped one, maybe fifty cents. This is awesome. Yeah, well, I want to start my own currency, like carry <laughs> currency. I'm just trying to work out some other people that are willing to trade in carries. So. Do you still live in Tassie? I just moved back there, yeah. Oh, my God, because I was like, if you don't live there anymore, that's going to be a difficult thing to do. <laughs> but, you know, that's cool. It's not, nothing's impossible. I just got to find another enough, like, crazy people that believe in carries. <laughs> so, like... You you run tour and stuff, and you can't do that kind of thing. What do you you know? What do you collect? What do you translate that into? Well, I still like every time we drive through a little town, and um, the people in the car that I'm travelling with, if they're like they let me because they know that I'm like a, a dog on a leash. I'm that excited <laughs> to get into like an op shop or an yeah. antiques place but yeah if we can go to like the more remote the better the little tiny op shops in the middle of nowhere you just find so much treasure it's like it's just it's a treasure hunter's wildest dream out there it's amazing the only thing i can liken that to for me is records in general but like for me that's like completely shrunken with the internet you're are you a little bit better with that I don't know. I'm a I'm a bad hoarder. Like not just of records, just of things. Like In I've what got. Way? I don't know. I've got shit from when I was a kid that I have no reason to keep. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? One day I might want to. I might want to look at this thing. I don't know what for. Like these Boy Scout badges, they're important oh. to me. I'm not good with memories in general, and as memories in my childhood, I'm not very good at. Like I can remember the immediate, but the the past, I just have trouble with picking out of my brain. Um, but I just, funnily enough, have brought back these memories. When we lived in um, a suburb of Newcastle called Ball's End, there was a bit of bushland that's now um, the highway down to Sydney that just grew blackberries. And I remember going with my brother and sister, and we used to pick blackberries and just have these stained hands. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you said that because... Why? All right, I need to tell you something. In 2013... I was dubbed Blackberry Queen 2013. Whoa, whoa, whoa. how is that a thing? Oh, hold up. How is that a thing? How is there a queen? (laughs) What's the establishment that's awarding this? Self-proclaimed. But you know what? Because blackberries, same sort of thing. They grow everywhere in Tassie. And, you know, they just grow, like, so wild through the bush and stuff. Why not make use of that beautiful resource? And that summer I spent picking blackberries... I made blackberry pies, blackberry jam, blackberry wine, which is the most delicious delicious. thing you could ever imagine. Like, and actually, my mate came down from Sydney, and he was like begging me to like have another bottle of blackberry wine. He's like, (laughs) "I'll go and buy a bottle of whiskey tomorrow to make up for it." I I will trade you. Yeah, it's like it's just so good. I was like, "Don't worry about it, man. Let's just get into it." So like, I cracked about four bottles of blackberry wine that night until he fell asleep on the couch because he loved it that much. Like, <laughs> that so, is incredible. So I, I hear you on the blackberry front that... Oh, man, yeah. And then we ended up with a strawberry patch in the backyard. But um, in terms of the excess of things, uh, when we moved into the place we're currently renting, we've been there for like four years now. And about six months in, we realised the tree, the massive tree in the backyard, was growing little buds. And we're like, oh, what flowers are these? Turned out to be a mango tree, actually. A mango tree. And 
we got these full-size mangoes like you'd buy in a shop. And the first year we got maybe like 50 and we're like, oh, this is amazing. And then the second year we got a bumper crop. I think we counted around 200. Like, I just remember pulling that fucking net down. That was a nightmare. We put a net We put a net over it, right, because it just, all the uh, mangoes would drop from the tree. And, you know, some of them we couldn't save. They were just a bit grot. And then they'd, like, get bats coming to pick them up. Unfortunately, we thought, oh, let's just put a net around it. And then we got, we came home and a bat got caught in the net and we called um, wires and they came and got the bat out. We ended up like meeting the bat, and he was lovely. Anyway, um, I digress. But and seriously, that's how he became Batman. <laughs> seriously, though, there was that was the origin story. Wow, yeah. have they done the movie of that? <laughs> I mean, not yet, but it's it's there for the taking. Batman the movie origin. about the man who had the bango tree with the nets. <laughs> I mean, no, they see- seem to be diverging wildly with the latest incarnation of Batman. So why not this? <laughs> why not? But seriously, we we had maybe like ten last year because the crop of the tree beforehand was up to around two hundred. And I remember taking, you know, two hands worth of like just buckets into work and just trying to offload mangoes to people <laughs> because we had that many. Do you think they might call the movie like Batman Go? <laughs> <laughs> They will now! Line and sinker. Well done. That is, can I have a... That's, that's amazing. Oh. Go, Mango! Go, Mango! Go, Mango! I'm getting... Huh? I was trying to think of some sort of, like, boom power thing that fits in there, but wasn't fast enough. I've, I've never been someone who, like, consciously grows things. If I grow things, they die. It's just... But... This just happened to be already in bloom. I loved it. And seriously, I hoarded them and I coveted them. It was amazing. I was like, oh, we can't give away too many mangoes because then we won't have enough mangoes for ourselves. It was like a mango kingpin. Um, you like Homer with the sugar. like Homer with the sugar. First you get the mangoes, then you get the... I don't know. Um, but... We saved so many for ourselves when we shouldn't have that we're like, oh, these are getting to the point where, you know, they'll need to be used for mangoey things that we can't, like, we can't eat all the mangoes. Mangoey things. Oh, shut <laughs> up, pointy. But um, we froze so many of them. Did that you we're, mango sorbet? Well, we were planning to. We still have so many frozen mangoes in our fridge and freezer from, freezer from last year that we just need to do that at some point. And, um... Pointy's wife just got one of those Thermomix things that just like grinds and blends everything. I feel like like I've already said to her, I'm coming to your house with a bucket full of frozen mango and we're going to make cocktails and eat them and make sorbet and it's just sitting there waiting for the the picking. Oh, it's just waiting. If you've already got it frozen as well, like oh, it's yeah. sorted. Like I, I I almost became like a self-proclaimed mango expert. I'm like, oh yeah, that's ready to be frozen. Oh yeah, we can eat that now. Like it's just bullshit, but I was like, yes, okay, let's do this right now. So okay, wait, if you're you... wearing what you're wearing now, I would believe you. I'd be like, okay. Huh? Are you That's Mango, Mango King 2015? Hey, or... hey, yeah, I am. If you're like Blackberry Queen, I'm Mango King. We've <laughs> got this down. We've got this down. I think it's just a sheer quantity, though, because we have an orange tree at the back as well, and it doesn't produce quite the same quantity. So I'm kind of like, yeah, here's an orange, but I think with 200 mangoes, you're like, mangoes everywhere. Why not? It's a thing. It'd um, be rude not to. It'd be rude not to. Man, I've, I've had too many long nights from it. It'd be rude not to. Um, but you mentioned that the way I'm dressed, we are at Pigsty in July. 
and like it is secondhand up shop chic, but it is also like super fancy. Everyone is dressed super fancy. I love that you guys went around from op shop to op shop. Like, I've only kind of like partly done that in my life. Well, I'm wearing everything I've got on right now is from an op shop. Awesome. Yeah, and I still just raid op shops like it's got they're going out of style because yeah, it's just too much fun. I feel like well, I just figure it's convenient, and there's one in most towns. Exactly. And you can pick something up, and it's new. It's new to you. That's all that matters. I think that's like about I st- the hunt. I feel like I started and then I stopped because like op shops became so cool. They started to actually become really expensive. Is that a thing? It is a thing in certain places. Yeah, in like don't most. Don't go to Newtown and go to the op shop. No, that is not town, so cheap. No, that Newtown, Newtown no. Vinnies is shocking. They oh, overcharge yeah. everything. It is ridiculous, yeah, right? Yeah, it is. Stay I away. I get this shirt from Newtown op shop though, from Oi, the salvos there. You little trader. Well, I know. Well, I did live there. Well, I couldn't really help it. <laughs> I know a few little. Uh, Sydney op shop treats because from ones. when don't I used them. to live there. Don't say oh, hell no, I would not tell. We're just, I would no not tell. We're just put yeah. the smoke signal up now. Oh, yeah, if anyone's yeah. here, they can see it. Sorry. Yeah. Man, this is becoming some Batman Go shit. <laughs> go, Batman Go! Go, Batman Go! Go! No, that is awesome though. Like, I, as long as there are still ones you can actually go an op shop at, not pay a hundred bucks for a shirt at, which is just like, nah, that's not an op shop experience. Yeah, that's it. And I think the, the further out you get from the cities, if that's an incentive to go to a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, then go and do it because <laughs> they um they just they know how to charge prices for secondhand clothes. Because that's the thing is you can't go and put new prices. On secondhand stuff, when that is the whole premise of yeah, an op shop, like it's the whole premise, right? Yeah, and often they actually just totally ruin that by just going, "Oh, this is a great leather jacket. I'm going to charge sixty dollars for it because yeah. I know it's cool." And it's like, hang on a second, there should be a law against that. Yeah, I that's think- not why someone gave that to you. Thank you, Clara and Taylor. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's been so much fun. No worries. Beautiful <laughs> subject. Still backstage at the pigsty in July, right by this massive fire and introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Ben, I play drums in a Melbourne band called Masco Sound System. We play dance music, so we play sort of electronic styles but on acoustic instruments, sort of backwards engineered that I way. was going to say, it felt, like, it felt like a band vibe, not just, you know, electronic. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely... Um, our whole trip and sort of what we love to do is, is take, you know, house or jungle or dub or, you know, sort of really heavily electronic styles and just play them on acoustic instruments and put our own little twist on it. Been a Melbourne band? Have you been up this way before? Um, we have been as far as Sydney before. We were lucky enough to um, open up for the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Oh, nice. Yeah, at the Metro, which was awesome. But this is the first time up into the Hunter and it's, it's beautiful. We're really loving it up here. And what is... Oh, hold on. Before I even ask you a special subject, did you guys have a painter on stage before? We did. We did. We always do. What was going on with that? Um, so we, when we started the band, um, had uh, our current painter, Monique, her brother was living in a house with a few of the guys and yeah. had a, um, a studio set up in the space that we used to rehearse in. And so when we were kind of getting together and writing songs and he was always in there painting, um, and when it came time to play shows, we were like, you know what, we've always had this year like every time we've played together why don't we like get him to do it on the stage in front of some people and see how that goes and um yeah it was really cool he had a really good time he moved overseas not long after that and thankfully his uh 
equally and supremely talented sister stepped up and uh, has been doing it with us ever since. Keeping it in the family too, that's awesome. 100%, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so we talk about something you love. What's your favourite subject? What's, what's the subject you could talk about? I, I would want to talk about my, probably my ultimate um, inspiration as a drummer. I'm just going to be totally self-indulgent with it. Um, there's a, a guy called Amir Thompson who plays drums in a band called The Roots. Beautiful. Yeah. And just putting it forward, self-indulgent is the aim of the game, man. <laughs> you know, you talk about the thing you love. Yeah, yeah. How much do you know about the Roots, Pointy? Not a lot, except for they did that record with Elvis Costello, which is up my alley, and that was a great record. Nice, nice. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the, the thing I really love about them and, and Amir in particular as a drummer is that they're, their whole thing, similar to what we like to do, is, is about taking, you know, sampled music and putting it back onto acoustic instruments and doing it organically. And Amir kind of has created this style of, of recreating all of these classic breakbeats, um, you know, and, and playing them and, and has a, an incredibly unique kind of feel to his playing that is really like, for me, I feel like it's special to get to witness an artist in your lifetime that actually reinvents the wheel. Like someone who comes completely out of left field and is a, is a total game changer for the way you think about your instrument you don't get to see that very often you know and it's normally these legendary people that you kind of grow up hearing about and they they become almost the stuff of myth yeah um but with this cat you know you get to see it happen in front of your eyes in, your in real time yeah, yeah. that's so special man i love that i reckon like a lot of people who aren't musicians themselves and especially aren't drummers themselves you know they see frontmen or guitarists that are massive inspirations for them. I love your inspiration is, you know, being your own instrument and drummer. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, I, I think it's a, there's a subtlety to it, you know, which I think unless you're inside that instrument might sort of be lost on people. It's, it's not as, um, easy to kind of grab onto on a surface level as, yeah. as somebody shredding a guitar solo is or yeah. a, a really I, enigmatic frontman. when you're listening to a band with a great drummer though, like if you're listening to like the Stones, they've yeah. got a very distinct, like Charlie Watts, is very distinctive. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening to Smashing Pumpkins, Jimmy Chamberlain's got that sort of jazzy feel to it yeah. 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 and it sort of pushes those bands to levels that might not exist without that like yeah. they might have someone that could you know bust things out and they're yeah. perfectly serviceable yeah. but they have something that just pushes it over that's that it. edge I mean, try, imagine listening to Led Zeppelin without John Bonham yeah you know that everybody remembers you know Stairway to Heaven and stuff and everyone remembers the guitar lines and the, and the lyrics but that, I mean that's a that's a one in a million cat you could not they're shoes that cannot be filled, yeah. you know. I mean, they were they were like famous for not reforming because they didn't have the complete lineup, you yeah. know, because they didn't have Bonham. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a really um, probably honest assessment well, of the not, band. Not you know, to harp on about Smashing Pumpkins, but I mean. Never, you'd Fuck never man. do that. They reformed with like some dude that was like 20 or 21, got him on drums, and it was fucking horrible because half of the pumpkin sound was fucking Jimmy Chamberlain playing drums. Look at, look at what's happened to the Red Hot Chili Peppers every time they try to make a record without John Frusciante. Yeah. They tried it with Dave Navarro. Yeah. I mean, like they're good. Thing, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hating on it at all. Like they're good, they're good records. Yeah. And I like, but, I like Navarro in Jane's Addiction. Yeah, Jane's Addiction are rad. And it's like, it's all those things. I mean, the same with like Audio Slave, you know, like you got Rage Against the Machine and you've got Chris Cornell and they're yeah. like independently fucking amazing. Yeah. But then you put them together and it's kind of like, it's good, but it's not, 
it's not either one of the things that it feels like it should be. You know? just fuck, man, you got Prophets of Rage too, by the way. Yeah, although I, I would like to see some Public Enemy <laughs> slash Cypress Hill classics <laughs> done with that band. Um, that first Audio Slave single seemed like a video for a wrestling thing or something. <laughs> like yeah. there was fireworks and shit, and Chris Cornell was like. Dancing around. To be honest, when that you mentioned wrestling, when you mentioned wrestling, I think Smashing Pumpkins again. Well, let's not go there. That's, <laughs> that's a whole We're other. That's a whole other podcast. Oh. I mean, no one wants to go into the depths of Billy Corgan's mind. No, no, no one does. I mean, he's on shit with Alex Jones t- talking. Oh. Black he's, helicopters. He's into chemtrails and all <laughs> sorts of shit. ISIS is putting yeah. growth hormones oh. into chicken nuggets. Don't need to go here. We don't have enough time. Yeah, but uh, we will move our way back to the roots, I promise. Yeah, no, but fuck, man. Like, there's this, um, this Smashing Pumpkins DVD, and you know, you see live footage of Chamberlain, and it's almost like, you know, as as his drumming technique, he was just. It's almost like he's flicking his wrists, and his forearms are doing this incredibly amazing punchy. Uh, hard-hitting work and yeah. he's he's just like eh, yeah. not sweating yeah. not even fucking sweating is this is this a, a recent DVD or no, an old this one early 2000s came out okay yeah because I think I, I could have this totally wrong but I have a feeling that I read an article once about Jimmy Chamberlain that said that he after he kind of left the band and was cleaning up and kind of going through that process I think he went and did a lot of study yeah. he actually kind of went and took a lot of lessons with people and really kind of worked yeah. on shit and then when he came back into the band had his shit just so much more together you know because it starts to take a bit of a toll on your body you know like after a certain time it's only so long you can the sort of schedules those guys have you know with the way they tour it's going to be the most physical of band instruments yeah I think so I think so it's yeah. great I mean that's what I love about it it's using your whole body it's very kind of um, it's really tactile in that way because you are actually feeling the motions of your body as well it's um, yeah. then the big movements so it's not like picking a guitar or something or yeah. it's this tiny fine little motor movement it's big kind of full body motions all the time so it's the, the Roots aren't the band that's playing with Jimmy Fallon at the moment are they? they are yeah they're the house band on that show Yeah. I fucking knew it Yeah. like I was in New York and they gave me these tickets to this this guy named Jimmy Fallon and right. we went there and I was like holy shit is that is that the Roots yeah. playing yeah. playing as a band? That's Man, that's awesome. I know that it's sort of like they shouldn't, you know, they're their own amazing band and they shouldn't fucking have to, but fuck, that's an amazing gig. It's a great get, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're working pretty hard up in there. I don't think they'd have much, but, I mean, they, they still have a pretty active uh, touring schedule, you know, outside of that as well, so they're, they're on and off bloody... Jets and flying all over the place. They're yeah, absolutely man. killing it. It's great. Oh, well, the, the thing I thought of was we're massive fans of UMI and it's just like almost our fucking podcast. Our podcast is UMI bingo, you know. It's like when you mention UMI. But uh, for their last record, Porridge and Hot Sauce, they got the roots, the horn section, as I said, from uh, Jimmy Fallon's crew, which are the Roots, yeah. to play on their record. That's so cool. I love that. So cool, So, man. so good. That's a great get, too. Yeah. What a one section. Woo. The fucking Roots are pros. They're great. They're, they're just incredible. And like I said, they, they've really, especially like as a as a fan of hip-hop, you know, they've they've really redefined that genre. It's um, in terms of live hip-hop as well, you know, that stuff um, very easily goes down that kind of 
fraternity rock summer party kind of as soon yeah. as you have people rapping over a drum kit you know yeah. but um well a lot of the time it's not even a fucking drum kit it's a sample yeah, exactly. or something else you know well, that's what's so great about these guys is you know that he'll routinely play like these really classic breaks you know and they sound exactly like they've just been lifted off the record you know he's, yeah. he's an absolute monster oh fucking oath seriously like the roots are a hip-hop group that are kind of like royalty hip-hop because they're not they're not fake ass they're totally legit and your you know your passion for drumming you know that's what hold the band together like that yeah yeah i think so i, I think they're a great um they're a great role model from a band point of view as well you know because they are one of these groups that was not immediately successful and did have to you know spend a fair amount of time in the trenches um you know, before they started getting to the level where, you know, obviously they're absolutely killing it now, but it's yeah. the sum total of a lot of years of work and a lot of years of consistent work, you know. They had an idea, they had an identity and they believed in it and they just backed themselves until basically people's ears caught up with them, oh, you know. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, um, like... That's another weird fucking reference. But uh, have you seen Orange is the New Black season yes. four, the new yes. one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just finished it. It was rad. Pusse, this is not a spoiler because it's not important to the major plot, but she fucking goes on a tangent in New York and there's a Roots cover band and it's Roots with a... Fantastic story, really. There's a fucking Roots with a Z, not a Roots with an S. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's, they stole my idea. That's I mean, been my dream. The Beatles. The Beatles. <laughs> the Ruttles. Horrible. So I can't even hear them play. <laughs> but I was like, fuck, what? That's an idea. What? No, tell me. That was your idea? And, well, look, I mean, yeah. If, if, if I always have these fantasies about, you know, living out my retirement glory days just uh, on a on a, an island somewhere in the Pacific running a bar and playing in a cover band. And I feel like a Roots cover band would be something <laughs> I, could, I could definitely get down with for a little while. Uh, uh, roots with a double Z. Yeah, something, <laughs> something. Never already done roots with one Z, so definitely double Z. So, okay, one roots track you gotta go for. Oh, um, that's really, really difficult. Oh, come on, you know something comes to mind. It does. Oh, there's like ten. I, I'll tell you a record. I think probably um, the, the Illadelf Half Life is my favourite record of theirs. It's very, very, very well worth checking out. It's a great kind of um, moment in their career where, you know, a lot of things are really crystallised. The playing's great, the songs are great, the the rapping is next level. It's really, really great. So, yeah, start with that one. Illadelf Half-Life. And also, you know what I love? Questlove has built this fucking amazing persona at the moment. He's like got his own brand apart from the fucking roots he's like in all these like fucking comedy shows and docos and bits and pieces and it's like I can't believe he's built this whole fucking brand for himself yeah he's incredible he's very very in demand as a DJ as well he's yeah, like a um, he's just got an encyclopedic knowledge of music just you know and, and one of those cats who just seems really really open you know almost kind of um, not to invoke the holy father but almost <laughs> almost princish in that regard like yeah. you know these dudes who, who, who do their thing but it, it comes from a very very strong core of just absolutely adoring music yeah. you know and, and that transcends genre boundaries and colour and, and it, it's weird you bring up Prince uh, one of our mates just out the front during the last set uh, mentioned that her first gig was Prince and it was back before he was Jehovah's Witness when he was playing all the dirty songs and all that kind of stuff and I just went oh fuck you 
Yeah. I hate that. I, hate that. I, I got a bad Prince story that happened to a friend of mine. If you want to hear whoa, this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, of course I do. How's it's this? like you brought this up. How's this, right? So, um, Prince uh, did a, a secret show at Bennett's Lane, which is a little jazz club in Melbourne. And uh, anyway, yeah, this friend of a friend of mine uh, was in there on that night and was seeing, you know, the band that was on before. And she had a, a someone who she thought was her friend working the bar at Bennett's that night. And anyway, the, the band ended, everyone's kind of filing out, and this friend comes over and says, hey, can I borrow your phone for a minute? And so, you know, she says, yeah, yeah, no worries, gives her the phone. Anyway, he sends a bunch of messages and gives it back to her. It's like, oh, cool, you know, it's good seeing you, see you later, leaves. Anyway, this person gets up the next day and finds out that Prince played this secret show at Bennett's Lane. And she's like what the fuck so she looks at her phone she's like why didn't she tell me looks at her phone and goes into the sent messages on her phone and her friend who was working at the bar texted a bunch of her friends to say you've got to get down to Bennett's Prince is coming to play a fucking secret show and then handed the phone back and said see ya have a good night Oh, is that just brutal. not like the scumbag That's move brutal. to end all scumbag that moves? That is amazingly yeah. awful. Yeah, that is and off the damn. That's the best way to end a friendship ever. <laughs> like if, if you're reading a textbook, like way to end yeah, a friendship. Yeah, that is how to do it. Surely, if you said, "What's the price you'd charge a friend for using your phone?" Seeing Prince is a pretty fucking good one. That's a good deal. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Jesus, bro. There you go, I think that's a good story to end on. Thank you, bro. Not a problem. Thank also, you, guys. Also, what happens to the paintings when they're done at the end of the gig? Um, we keep some. We've sold some. Monique is very uh, fickle in her passions, so yeah, it kind yeah. of depends on how attached she is to it slash how broke she is that month, I think. And uh, where can people get your record? Uh, we can buy it uh, online uh, from mascosoundsystem.com. Uh, it's also up on Spotify. If you're, if you're that way inclined, go check it out. Uh, yeah, mascosoundsystem.com. Uh, Masco Sound System on Facebook. Wombat State Records on Facebook. Get at us. Please.